good? You making that room that you need to, fam? You making that room that you need to? Amen. Okay. Amen. Before you're seated, before you're seated, grab your Bibles. I mean, today, grab your Bibles before you're seated. Matthew 14. Matthew 14. It says this. It says, when Jesus saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed all their sick. Aren't you thankful that Jesus isn't like us? Come on, we see a loud crowd like social anxiety, peace. <laughs> Jesus sees a large crowd and, and he has compassion on them. And he can't help but do everything he can to heal every, every single sick person. And as evening approached, so he's out here healing sick all day long, casting out demons all day long, preaching all day long. And as evening approaches, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. I love Jesus' response. He replies, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Pastor Olga took this literally today and after service today, she's gonna make sure you get something. See, can we just take a moment and show appreciation to everyone who worked yesterday and today to get everything set up and ready for our luncheon, amen. And a, and a special thanks to Pastor Olga because she has gone above and beyond. Not only is she housing my family this week for Thanksgiving, but she was working her tail off this week so that you could have something to eat. You give them something to eat. But we only have five loaves of bread and, and two fish, they answered. So Jesus said, bring them here to me. Check out verse 19. I'm going to harp on this for a little bit. Verse 19. And he directed the people to sit down in the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and, and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples. And then those same disciples who tried to send everybody away started giving them to the people. And they all ate until they were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. And the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, not including women and children. So at least 5,000 men, maybe over 15,000 people total, Jesus fed with five loaves and two fish. Wow. Father, I thank you for this word today. It's going to get into our hearts, get into our minds. It's going to take us to a, a deeper place of understanding of what you're calling us to today. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated here today. Thank you to our worship team for setting an atmosphere. Amen. Amen. Always, always give appreciation and honor where it's due. Amen. Always. If you can, just quickly, can you, can you just look at your neighbor next to you and, or, or eight neighbors, find, it, find, a, find your happy neighbor. Find your happy neighbor. Look at your happy neighbor and, and give them my subject for the day. Just tell them this. Say, say you might need a gratitude adjustment. You might need a gratitude. Now look at your other neighbor, the grumpy one. Yeah. And you tell them, you might need a serious gratitude adjustment. Come on. <laughs> I'm glad some people are smiling because somebody's not happy right now that you, you just looked at them. Let me, uh, is Brock still here? Brock, you here? Or Mackenzie? 
Come here. Come here, bro. Come here, bro. JJ Hasalubi in the house, the anointed. So where's JJ? Come here, JJ. Come here, JJ. Ladies and gentlemen, the, the anointed psalmist himself, one of the, one of the youngest ever to, to be a part of the collective at Liberty University. JJ Hasalubi in the house. Gentlemen, I, I want to. Uh, I just want to just want to tell you that I love you. You both are awesome, sir. It's just because you have to drive all the way from Missouri every Sunday to be here. Twenty five dollar gift card because I love you. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. You're awesome. Yeah. Right. JJ, here's $5. Man, appreciate you, man. What was that? What was that? What was that? Appreciate you. Gratitude. What was that? I said gratitude. Thank you. Thank you. You know what you could have done? It. You know what you could have done right here, JJ? You could have done what most church people do. When God blesses somebody, you want to compare what you've got to what they got and sit there and just be upset about it. But instead, J.J. preached my message. He got himself a little gratitude adjustment up here. And just for that, J.J., I'm just going to, just because God is so good to you, sir, I love you too. Come on, get out of here. I love you, J.J. Get out of here. Hey. Blessings over you, my friend. Isn't it, isn't it so easy in church? Come on, somebody. To see what God is doing for someone else and just be like, where's mine, Lord? What about me, Lord? Don't mind me sitting down here for a little bit, Okay. Thank you for everyone who's prayed for me all week long, because while I have struggled, I feel the strength of God when I need it. If I turn around and start hacking up a lung, hey, could just pray for me, because once I get that lung up, I'm going to turn around and keep preaching the truth, okay? That's how we do it, amen? According to what we see here in Scripture, and I need you to know this, according to what we see in Scripture, JJ displayed this so beautifully right now. The single largest contributor to the quality of our life is the condition of our heart. JJ could have been mad at me because I just pulled him up here on a stage. Okay. Not that he's not used to that, but he's not used to being put on the spot to, to be embarrassed. And, and, and here he was. He showed me the condition of his heart. There's something within his heart. And what, is, what am I trying to tell you? The Bible tells us time and time again that the, that the single largest contributor to the quality of your life is this guy right here. This is why the, the wisest man who ever lived, his name was Solomon. King Solomon wrote it like this in Proverbs 4, 23. He said, guard your heart with all diligence. Why? Because out of your heart flow the issues of your life. What is that? What is he really telling us? He's telling us that if something gets in your heart, it's already got your life. If, if it's got your heart, it's got your attention. If, if it's got your heart, it's got your focus. Okay, can I just find a couple honest people for just a moment? Come on, somebody. If, if, the, if that woman's got your heart, she's got your money. Come on, somebody. Come, uh, somebody, somebody help me out here. If, if it's got your heart, it's got your sleep, and it's got your focus, and, and, and it's got your appetite, and, and, and I, I, can't even, I can't even sleep anymore because it's got my heart. There's a word in the Bible that, that the Bible uses ultimately to describe the condition of, of the heart of those of us who follow Jesus. The word that the Bible uses to describe the condition of our heart as followers of Christ is this powerful word called joy. 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 Joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Y'all remember it? Yeah. Joy. Joy. How do I really know as a, as a follower of Jesus Christ that the condition of your heart is right? Do I see some joy from your life? Jesus said like this in John 15. He said, I told you these things so that my joy might be in you and that your joy 
might be complete or your joy might be full. So if you're taking notes, here's the first thing I want to give you today, and I don't want you to miss this, okay? Look what Jesus says. He says, I told you these things so that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be complete. So here's the distinction. Jesus makes a clear distinction between your joy and his joy. I told you these things so that my joy might be in you. So there's a clear distinction between your joy and his joy. And my joy is incomplete without the joy that Jesus gives me. This is why Jesus said, look, I need to put my joy in you. Because until my joy gets in you, your joy is going to be incomplete. Your joy is going to be fleeting. Your joy is going to be temporary. Ladies and gentlemen, if your joy leaves you once you leave church on Sunday, that's your joy. That's not his joy. And, and you need to know that the longevity of joy really is the evidence of its authenticity. The longevity of it. Can, can I still be happy after church is over and I'm driving home and I get cut off on orchard? And, and the longevity of my joy is evidence, evidence of its authenticity. Can I still have joy? And here's why this is so important. Because Jesus says, my joy, my joy. Meaning you only get this joy when you get Jesus. My joy. My, when I get Jesus, I get this kind of joy. And that explains to me why so many church people are always angry. Okay? The, the reason you don't have any joy is because you really don't have any Jesus. Come on, somebody. Come on. Come on. Come on. I grew up old school Pentecostal. We love running around the church in old school Pentecostal. We'll run into the church, but, but just because you run in church doesn't mean you've run into Jesus. In fact, I'll say, just because you run a church doesn't mean you've run into Jesus. You, you, what you need to know is, is once you meet Jesus and you start living life the way that Jesus wants you to live, your heart is going to experience something that cannot be explained. It's how the Bible says it in 1 Peter 1.8. Your heart begins to be filled with this joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. It's a kind of joy that I can't articulate. It's a kind of joy I can't find words for. But it's a kind of joy that God gets all the glory from joy unspeakable and full of glory are you, are you hearing what I'm saying you hear what I'm saying when you exude joy when you express joy hear what I'm saying God gets the glory joy unspeakable and full of glory why does God get the glory how does God get the glory I can only imagine God sitting in heaven right now and looking out at your life and say, yo, devil, look at my child. Look at right now. All, all the hell you've put them through this week, and they've still got a smile on their face. Come on, God gets the glory from that. I, I, feel, I feel like God is looking down at somebody right now and just saying, in the midst of your uncertainty, you can still be certain about one thing. If God be for me, who can be against me? It's a joy with, I feel like God is looking at Satan and say, after all the adversity that the adversary has put you through and thrown at you this week, there's still something that rose up on the inside of you this morning when you woke up and you said, like David said in Psalms 118, verse 24, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. Woo. Joy, ladies and gentlemen, joy. 
joy. And that's why Jesus brings this distinction between just the joy that Christians will try to portray and the joy that comes from knowing him personally. Joy. My joy is in you. This is the day the Lord has made. Is that today? Is that tomorrow? Is that all next week? Is that when you have to sit down with people you don't like on Thursday? It's still the day the Lord has made. What is my response to what God has done? We will, someone say that word, rejoice. Somebody say rejoice. And again, I say rejoice and be glad in what God has made. I'm not saying the enemies are going to try to ruin my day. I'm not saying it's not going to be a bad hair day. I'm simply saying it's a day the Lord has made. My response is to rejoice and be glad in it. Good Lord, somebody, you're getting ready to eat a little bit. Rejoice <laughs> and be glad in it. Rejoice. Here's basically what I'm trying to tell you. Here's my second point. Praise is the language of joy. Praise. Well, so what does joy sound like? It sounds like praise. It, it sounds like praise. Listen to me. When you just sit there silent during praise and worship, understand what you're telling God. Understand what you're telling God. Okay? You're, you're, you're telling that his presence isn't enough. You're, you're telling that his peace isn't enough. You're telling that, that, that his, his word isn't enough. But, 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 when you, but when you got some joy, there's a language to that thing. It's called praise. It's I, I can't help but open my mouth and say, God, thank you. God, you're worthy. God, you're awesome. God, God, you deserve it. And listen to me. Every time you release praise, understand what's happening. You are releasing joy. I'm just trying to help somebody get out of your funk here today. If you'll start opening up your mouth and give God praise, you release joy in your life. And every time you release joy, guess what you're doing to your enemy? The one who's trying to keep you joyless and keep you silent and keep praise off your lips. Every time you release praise anyway, you bring confusion to your enemy because he realizes it doesn't matter what I do. I can't figure out what's going on. Even in the midst of all this, they are still glad and rejoicing in the Lord. Maybe Satan forgot this, but I came to tell somebody, this joy I have, the world hasn't given it to me, so the world can't take it away from me. Romans 14, 17, Paul writes this, he says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink. Ooh, I'm, I'm glad we get to eat and drink after church today, hallelujah. But the kingdom of God is not just made up in these things. The kingdom of God is living a life of righteousness, peace, here it is, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That means joy is not in my bank account. Joy is in the Holy Ghost. Joy is not in my career. Joy is in the Holy Ghost. Joy is in not people recognizing my authority, my anointing, or my giftings. Joy is in the Holy Ghost. Joy is not in my relationships. Joy is not in my dreams. Joy is not in my possessions. Joy is in the Holy Ghost. So here's what I want to tell you. The amount of joy you're going to experience today and any other day, is directly related to how much time you choose to spend in the Holy Ghost. How much time do you choose to spend in the presence of the living God? Your joy, literally, the, the amount of joy you will experience every single day is tied to how much time am I spending? How, many, how much time am I choosing to spend in the presence of God? 
I get it. We all got busy lives. We've all got a lot on our plates. But how much time am I choosing to spend with the Holy Ghost? I guess this is what I'm trying to tell you. Joy is so much more than a feeling. It's actually a choice. Crickets. This isn't deep revelation, ladies and gentlemen. It's not you got to sit there and, what does he mean by that? Joy is a choice. It's not a feeling. Sure, I, I, I feel happy, but joy is a choice. And I know some of you say, well, how can, how can I say that? How, how can I even choose joy? And here's my, my third point. It's very easy. Because joy is nothing more than an outcome. It's just an outcome. Okay? So... How do I produce joy? By, by producing the thing that produces joy. It's right here in Matthew 14. Jesus reveals it to us. He says that if, 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 if we'll do these things, especially this one thing that he does in Matthew 14, it will produce joy in your life because joy is just an outcome. That's all it is. So, so choosing joy means to do what Jesus taught me. I'm going to choose to live with gratitude. I'm going to choose to live with gratitude. Why? Because J.J. just showed it. He could have been mad at me. He could have taken that $5 and thrown at me, which I'm pretty sure he wouldn't have. Just put it in his pocket and just stormed off. How come I didn't get the $25 gift card? No, he, he showed me that gratitude is a choice. And joy is the outcome of choosing to be grateful. Ladies and gentlemen, any one of you in this place... How many of us can receive the same exact thing and one person can be grateful and the other person can feel entitled? Come on. Come on. Good Lord, I, we all, for those who have children, you know exactly what I'm talking about. How come I got the same amount? How, how, it looks like they got a little bit more. What? Fine, I'll just take it all then. Because I gave it to you in the first place. Hello, somebody. I, I can't help but think of, of the scriptures here. In Luke 17, Pastor Bethel references during, during the offering. Jesus heals 10 men who all had the same exact skin disease. It was called leprosy. Leprosy really is it's a bacterial disease that what it does is destroys your nerve endings. It destroys your ability to feel. You can no longer feel the pain, the, the, the feelings anymore in your extremities. It's gone. So, so it removes your ability to feel. And in Luke 17, Jesus heals 10 men with this disease. And look what happens in verse 14. When Jesus saw them, he said, go, show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. See, verse 14 tells me something very important. It says that as they went, they were cleansed. I just want to tell somebody here today, you're not healed once you leave. You're healed once you obey. The healing didn't come before they left. The healing came the moment they began to obey. It was as they obeyed that they found their healing. And all of them, all of them were healed, but only one stopped and recognized, wait a second, I can feel again. I, I, I can feel again. Only one of them made a choice in that moment. I didn't do this myself. Let me turn around and run back. 
and just say thank you for what you've done. Now, verse 17 says this, Jesus asked, we're not all 10 cleansed. I know what I did. I know the miracle I just performed. Didn't I just heal 10 lepers? Why? Why did only one return? Where are the other nine? Ladies and gentlemen, I believe Jesus is trying to tell us this today. Just because 10 of you can get the same thing doesn't mean all of you are going to make the same decision. Sometimes it only takes one. And maybe I've only got one in this place, but is there one that could just run back to Jesus today and just say, thank you. I haven't forgot what it's felt like. I haven't forgotten what it, what it feels like to not feel. I haven't forgotten what it means to, to, to be delivered. Can, can you say today, God, I haven't forgotten what it was like when I was caught up in the middle of my pain, caught up in the middle of that situation. But God, you intervened and you delivered me. Anybody in this place can put your hands together and say, I haven't forgotten the time when I hit my knees in prayer and say, God, if you'll just get me out of this, this last time, I promise I'll never go back. I haven't forgotten what God has done for me. Who remembrance is key to your praise. Sometimes, sometimes I just praise God in the moment because he's worthy. But sometimes I look back over my shoulder and I say, thank you, Lord, for everything you've already done. Because remembrance is key to this moment, what I'm going through. If I can remember where you've been and what you've done, I can remember in this moment, this too shall pass. And I'll get through this as well. It's easy. It's easy to make a choice gratitude. It really is. It's easy. Just as easy it is to, to complain, it's easy to say thank you. Thank you. And right now, the reason some of you aren't living with gratitude is because you've forgotten what it feels like to not feel. You've forgotten what God has delivered you from. Remembrance is key today, ladies and gentlemen. Remembrance, remembering what he's already done. Being thankful. Gratitude is a choice. Which brings me to my fourth point. Because we see it right here in Matthew 14. Jesus teaches us this. Jesus not only expects gratitude, Jesus becomes the example of gratitude. Here he's been teaching at least 5,000 men all day long. And if you know anything about men, guess what's going to happen? They're going to get hungry. Amen. It's, so these men get hungry. They're, they're, they're hungry. Can, can somebody just take a moment and pause and praise God that I, I don't preach as long as Jesus does? Come on, somebody. All day long, Jesus is preaching. Okay? He's healing the sick. He's, he's casting out demons all day long. And these people are hungry. And so his disciples come to him and they urge him. They say, Jesus... Send these crowds away. Send them away. Hey, God bless y'all. Uh, you got what you need from God? Good. God, God bless you. Go on, go on. Get, 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 get. Why? Because we know how much food we have, and it's barely enough to feed us, so it ain't going to feed all of you. But I love this because the disciples are about to learn something. They're about to learn that Jesus doesn't just specialize in compartmentalizing care. You ever heard of compartmentalized care, right? Care that's just compartmentalized. Okay, it's, it's, just, it's, it's just for this, but only this. Jesus actually specializes in comprehensive care. 
He's like, wait a second, boys. Y'all want me to teach these people all day long and then send them away hungry? Oh, y'all don't know. I don't compartmentalize my care. I, I, I operate in comprehensive care. That means I'm not just going to deal with your sin. I'm going to deal with your stomach as well. When Jesus comes into your life, ladies and gentlemen, he can fix anything and everything that's broken. And if you don't want Jesus to fix the things in your life, then don't invite him in. Because the moment you invite him in, he brings comprehensive care. And I'll not just fix your mind, I'll fix your heart. I'll not just fix your relationships, I'll fix your finances. I'll not just fix your past, I'll fix your future. I specialize in comprehensive care. I'll take care of it all. What's interesting to me is that Jesus told the same disciples who say, send them away, Lord. He tells them, no, you get them something to eat. You do it. You get them something to eat. Now, he says to the disciples already knowing that they did not have enough to feed thousands of people. He already, come on, ladies and gentlemen, if you, if you invite Dylan and Devin over to your house for dinner. Okay. Don't just get two large pizzas. I think it's going to be enough. My brothers can throw down on one of them by themselves. Okay. So, so Jesus already knows the disciples are already at a, a, a deficit when it comes to this miracle he's about to perform. He tells them, you get them something to eat. He already knows they don't have enough. And here's what this tells me. If God gives you the instruction, it means that God has already made the provision. I need somebody to take a moment to hear what I'm saying. If God gives you an instruction, it means he's already made provision for this thing to happen in your life. And when you look at most sermons based on the feeding of 5,000, most ministers will focus on the fact that God will take what you give him and multiply it. And they're right to do so. Here's all I'm trying to do before we get ready to go eat. I just want to take one moment and show you what Jesus did before he began to multiply what they gave him. Before Jesus multiplied the fish and loaves. Give me verse 19 again, Ella. Jesus says this. He has the crowd sit down. And what does he do? You got verse 19 for me? Matthew 4, 19. He, he takes the five loaves and the two fish. Here it is. He looks up to heaven and he gave thanks. The very thing that the disciples were upset about. How can we feed the 5,000 is the very thing Jesus begins to give thanks about. The very thing that people might be complaining about. Because, man, I'm hungry. Jesus, this has been a long service. Is the very thing that Jesus stops and begins to give gratitude and thanks over. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to know the moment you start to show appreciation is the moment God starts to show multiplication in your life. And here's the secret. Here's the secret. It's right there. Here's the secret. Don't miss this. Don't miss the secret. It's right there. Notice that Jesus didn't look down at the bread. He didn't look down at what he didn't have. He didn't look down at the insufficiency. He looked up. He looked up to heaven. Come on, if Jesus just looks down, he's going to see it's not enough. But if he looks up to heaven, he's going to see that God is always more than enough. And maybe, 
Maybe the reason today you're so down emotionally is because you keep looking down at your insufficiency. You keep looking down at the situation you're caught in. You keep looking down at your problem and your pain. And why is God only doing this for others but not doing this for me? I, all I see is my insufficiency, but I came to help you today. If you will shift your focus from looking down at what you don't have and shift your focus and look to heaven to everything God has. Here's what happens. Here's what happens. You begin to go from feeling entitled. You begin to go from feeling upset to feeling a sense of appreciation, a sense of gratitude. Because gratitude comes from what I choose to look at. Can I say that one more time? Your gratitude comes from what you choose. Can I stop looking at the bread in your hands? Clearly, it's not enough. Look up to heaven. To the provider of all things. Look up to the hills from which come with your help. Your help comes from the Lord. Look up. Look up. Look up. Because if I look down at the bread, or if I look up to heaven, I realize either way I've made a choice. I've made my decision. Here's my last point, I'm done. Simple this. We cannot look like Jesus. If we don't look like Jesus, it's not deep. I call myself a Christian, right? A follower of Christ. I look like Jesus, but I can't really look like Jesus if I don't look like Jesus. Y'all get it? Yeah, the reason I'm not looking like Jesus is because I'm not looking like Jesus. Look up. Look up. I just came to help somebody's perspective today. It's time to start looking up. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm trying to change your look. And I'm not talking about your attire. You look beautiful, baby. I don't, I'm not talking about your hairdo. I'm not talking about your shoes. What are those? I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm telling you, where are you looking? Where are you looking? I'm trying to fix your look today. Change it and look to heaven. Where are your eyes? Where is your focus? Where is your heart? Set your minds on things above, Scripture says, and not on things of this earth. Because as long as I'm looking down at the bread, I'm always going to complain. It's not enough. As long as I'm looking down at and what I have, I'm going to compare it to what I don't. As long as I'm looking down, I'm always going to feel entitled, like I deserve something more. But the moment I look up to God is the moment not only my, sh my focus shifts, but my heart shifts. And I begin to feel grateful. Thank you, Lord, for everything I do have. Thank you, Lord, for everything you brought into my life. Thank you, Lord. So Jesus takes what isn't enough. And before he even breaks it, he looks up and he gives thanks. And this is not an isolated incident in Jesus' life. It's not. If you, if you look through Scripture, you're going to see that time and time again, Jesus looks up before something miraculous happens. John chapter 11, I've preached entire messages on this. He raises a man named Lazarus from the dead. But look at what he does right before the miracle. John eleven forty one. So they rolled the stone away, and then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father... 
I thank you that you have heard me. Before he even asked the question, he thanked the Father. Before he even raised the dead, he raised a thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, somebody's getting this here today. Gratitude is more than an action, and it's more than a feeling. Gratitude is a decision that I make, and I learned this from Jesus himself, because I believe Jesus was applying what Paul later on preached in Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, here it is, ladies and gentlemen, with thanksgiving, make your request known unto God. Some of you right now, the whole reason there's no power in your prayer is because you put no praise in your prayer. You're pleading and you're begging and you're asking, but you miss the power that comes from praising God in the midst of your prayer. And I came to tell somebody, put a praise on it. Next time you start praying, put a praise on it. I know we get churchy and we tell people at the back end of it, put a praise on it. But I came to get biblical and tell you before it even happens, put a praise on it. Before you even ask, put a praise on it. Before the miracle takes place, put a praise on that bad boy. I choose to put a praise on it. Here's what I say. Lord, I thank you that it's already done. Thank you, Lord. Not could you, would you, might you, hopefully. I praise you that it's already done. You get sick in your body, I lay my hands on you and I pray for your healing, but I believe God it's already done. Why? Because this book tells me by his stripes, you were. You were healed. It's already done. Already. Can somebody take a moment, lift your hands and say, thank you, Lord. Everything I've been asking for, everything I've been praying for, everything I'm believing for, it's already done. Already done with our hands raised. Father, we thank you today. Thank you today. Somebody, somebody here, who's believing for a resurrection? Come on, believe today. Believe today. It's already done. Put a praise on it before it even happens. Who is believing for a blessing? Come on, before it even happens, put a praise on it today and say, thank you, Lord. It's already done. Who's believing for healing today? Come on, I dare you to put a praise on it and say, thank you, Lord. By his stripes, I'm already healed. Somebody's believing for a breakthrough in your life. You need to praise him right now that all the power of Satan was already broken 2,000 years ago on the cross. Put a praise on it today. Somebody who's believing for a miracle in this moment, put a praise on it before the miracle happens. Before the feeding of 5,000, tell God, thank you. You've already heard me, and it's already done. With our hands raised all over this room, Father, we thank you right now. I'm not waiting to the back end. I'm not waiting to the things done before I finally say thank you. I'm going to thank you now. I'm going to be like JJ. Before I even get the $25 gift card, I'm just going to say thank you. Thank you. Because it was already yours, God. And you, you didn't have to give it, but you did. Thank you. You're good. You're good. You're good at all times. And so I say thank you. Before I even get, I say you're good. 
I said, before I even get, I declare you're good. Before I even get, I declare you're good. And I thank you, Lord. If you're, if you're physically able, stand your feet with me all over this room. You're physically able. Stand your feet with our hands raised. Give me a little more, David. My voice is going. I knew this was going to happen. I've been sick all week, but God is still good. Good. He's still good. With our hands raised. Hands raised. Here's what I'm going to ask you to take a few moments to do right now. Before you even say thank you, I'm going to ask you to retrain your brain. Retrain your brain. Retrain it. Retrain that brain towards gratitude. Because right now you want to complain, how much longer? I'm hungry. I'm tired. You don't know what I'm going through, Pastor. Got it. So retrain your brain towards gratitude. And instead of complaining, say, thank you, Lord. Jesus made a choice. He always made a choice to say thank you. He looked up. He wasn't looking at what he didn't have. He was looking up to the one who had it all. He was able to say thank you. And what happened? That choice became a habit. I'm just trying to help somebody today. Retrain your brain. Because the choice to be thankful can become a habit to be thankful in your life. And when I choose this habit of gratitude, I'm actually choosing joy. I'm choosing to have joy. This is where it starts. The joy doesn't come after I've got the miracle. The joy comes in the moment when I choose to be grateful. Grateful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. I choose to be grateful. And as I choose gratitude, I'm choosing joy. Right now, ladies and gentlemen, you can fix a lot of problems in your life if you'll stop looking down and just start looking up. Look up and choose to be grateful. Look up and choose to be thankful. And if all you've got is two, lo two fish and five loaves, then just tell God, thank you anyway. Thank you anyway. Why? Because my help doesn't come from this bread. My help comes the moment I choose to be thankful. I choose gratitude today. Amen and amen. With our hands raised, as you look over your shoulder, can you look back and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. For every time you brought me through the darkest time, thank you. Thank you for every time you blessed me when I was a mess. God, thank you for every relationship I have that is still loyal, that I can depend on. I know a lot of people have hurt you and left you and betrayed you and backstabbed you, but thank you, Lord. That's not everyone in my life. Thank you for everyone who's been there and continues to be there. See, when I just take a moment to look back, remembrance, it's so key to having an attitude of gratitude. I remember all you've already done. Why? Because then I can pull from my past and bring it into this present moment and say when he's, I serve a God who's done it before and nothing is too difficult for my God. And so if he did it for me before, I believe he can still do it now. 
and the greater one who's in me is greater than anything I face in this world. So I believe you're gonna do it again. I want somebody right now just to look forward and look forward at your future and declare, God, I give you praise. I give you, come hell or high water, I give you praise. Come blessings or, or come, uh, come poverty, I give you praise. Come healing or come disease, I give you praise. Because I'm going to look forward with this anticipation that God, the same God who was good before, will be good when I get there. And so today, I choose to be grateful. I choose to open my mouth and give him praise. Family, my voice is about to go, but don't leave me up here alone. Somebody, open up your mouth and with whatever strength you have, give God praise. Give God praise. I put a praise on it before it ever happens, before it ever comes. I put a praise on it. I put a praise on it because God is good. He's always been good. He always will be good. The old church mantra, God is good all the time. Do you understand what you're saying? Do you understand what you're saying? God is good when? God, God has been good. No, God is good all he can't change who he is. He's good all the time.